Well, today's uh, message, as we come to that, now I'm going to uh, be sharing, and I, I know some of you are going to think, well, you're a little bit late on this, Pastor. And, and I am a little bit late, maybe. I'm going to have, I talked to Pastor Dave last week, and I wanted uh, to do kind of a resolution sermon, and that should have been probably last week or the week before. Uh, but so I know it's a little bit late, but it's still going to apply. So I, wanna, I want you to bear with me in that and just uh, uh, kind of help me out with that and understand that I'm running a little bit late. But the, today's sermon is based upon the text of Deuteronomy 30.15a. You can see that there on the screen. I'm going to click to it here a little bit and we'll read that. Uh, but this is a text that is actually a spoken as the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. And I think it's a, it's a great text, and the context of the text is not like New Year's resolutions, okay? So I readily recognize that. But I do think the principle that is shared, or the principle that's put forth, is important for us to see and to understand, all right? So we're going to read today Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Uh, first part of that verse, I'd like us to read this as a congregation. It's on the screen. Let's read this together, and it says... See, I have set before you today life and prosperity. Heavenly Father, this is your word for us, and I do pray, God, that you would use this word powerfully and mightily in all of our lives. We submit to that word today, O oh God. I pray that you would allow us to remove all the distractions and that you would guide us and that you would help us to dig into this word and have this word applied each unto our own hearts and unto our own lives. We ask this now in Christ's name. Amen. All right. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity. And it's interesting because really resolutions usually are those things that we do that you know, are going to result in prosperity or blessing in our lives. There are things that we recognize most likely that we need to change, we need to remedy, uh, we need to fix. And, I, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical on them because I've, I've had enough New Year's resolutions to realize by the 14th of January, most of you have already forgotten what they were or they've failed, right? Is that about it? I mean, that's kind of the way it goes. Well, it's interesting. Resolutions are not a new thing. As I was doing some research for this week's message, I discovered that uh, resolutions have been around for about three to 4,000 years. They believe the ancient Babylonians were the first to use them. And the context was this, is that at the end of their year, they would make promises to return things that they had borrowed. They had, and they made promises to be faithful to the king to be loyal to the king and it was interesting because then as they went through the year if they were successful in these endeavors if they kept their resolution so to speak the gods little g the gods would bless them with prosperity that was kind of the idea that well you know this has been going on for a long time so the resolutions that you have made are nothing new and I have made many resolutions, and I've broken many resolutions, and I'm sure I speak for all of us in that. But the thing that I was thinking about as I thought about this text, and I thought about this idea of, of God setting before us life and prosperity is this. What if, what if God made your resolutions rather than you? And that's, that's what I want us to think about today. What, that's the question I'm going to answer today. What if you did not make your resolutions, but God did? That's what I want us to answer today. So these are resolutions. Again, there could be many, many more. This is just a starting place for us. But these are just some things that just came to my mind immediately when I began to think about this theme. What if you did not make your resolutions, but God did? 
I believe these would be God's resolutions for you and for I this year. Number one is this, seek my wisdom. If there was a resolution that God would have for us, it would be to seek his wisdom, to learn more of him, to come to that place of knowledge and of understanding of him. And I used Proverbs 8, 11 as that example, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Now, wisdom is used in a lot of different ways throughout Scripture, so I want us to know that first and foremost. But I want us to recognize that this thing of wisdom, Christ, Jesus Christ in Scripture, is also personified as wisdom. He is wisdom incarnate, if you would. And it's interesting because I think when we talk about this idea of wisdom, when God says, when I say, God says, seek my wisdom, I believe first and foremost that wisdom is contained and is reflected and is Christ Jesus. So when we think about this idea of seeking God's wisdom, first of all, what are we going to do? We're going to seek Christ. <laughs> because he is the, the, he encapsulates all that is God's wisdom. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, I'm going to read that to us. It says, But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And I love that. Those, those words that are contained, it talks about how Christ is wisdom, and he is righteousness, he is sanctification, and he is redemption. So I believe the first thing that we want to do today is to recognize that when God's word says, seek my wisdom talks about my wisdom is better than jewels we recognize that first and foremost that that christ is that wisdom and and to to know christ is is literally to be made wise to, to know christ captures the essence of what it is to know god's wisdom but I think also we can, we can go beyond that even and recognize that when Scripture speaks of wisdom, it also speaks of an understanding or a knowledge of what God would will or desire for us, how we would live our lives. And I think it's interesting to recognize that as we go through the Scripture, when we read about this thing of wisdom, and it's kind of ironic, this message, I'm, I'm currently working through, I just, in fact, I just got done working through the book of Proverbs, and of course, you know, the book of Proverbs is probably that one book, that singular book that we think of that speaks most about this wisdom. And it's interesting as you go through this, as we think about this wisdom as knowing God's will and doing God's will and God expressing his will for us, this idea of wisdom, it's always described as something that is pre precious and valuable. Its worth is unsurpassed by anything in this world. And as we read through the book of Proverbs especially, we get this idea that this thing of God's wisdom is something that we need to pursue it's something that we, that we want to be able to, to do in all of our lives. And it's interesting because when we read about what this, this wisdom is, we read about it in the scripture as something that's a gift. It's not so much something that we earn or we merit even, but really it is a gift from God. And it's interesting, there's a text, I will, I will have a read this, Revelation, it's from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and it says, and it's really a prayer of Paul, but notice what it says there, it says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. 
And what that verse tells me, this is the prayer that Paul is uttering forth for the church. And what it's telling us is that wisdom is a gift. And Paul is praying that this gift would be given to the people. And of course, what do we read in James chapter 1, verse 5? What's James chapter 1, verse 5 tell us? He says, if any of you lack wisdom, what are you to do? Ask God, call to God, pray to God. So we see now this whole thing of wisdom is something that, that is, is not beyond us. When, so when I say seek my wisdom, I'm talking about something that's very attainable for us. God's wisdom comes as a gift and it, and it comes to us as, as we would pray and as we would seek, uh, seek him. So it's really simple. And then the last idea that I want to build upon here is this. So this wisdom... Where is it recorded? Do we have a record of God's wisdom? We say, yeah, I would mean the whole world is a record of God's wisdom. But, but what are you holding and what do you have in your laps? What do you, I got it up here in the pulpit. What are, you, what are you holding here? It's God's word. God's word is a record of God's wisdom. And I would offer to you today that we are fools if we think that we can know God's wisdom, that we can know God's will, apart from learning his word, they must go hand in hand. We, we have to do this together. God reveals to himself, God reveals to us, rather, if through Christ, Christ is revealed to us in the scripture, God is revealed to us in the Bible and in the word of God, and therefore it behooves us as God's people to be in his word. And shame on you, Shame on me for ignoring the opportunities that we have to dig deep into his word. It is the word that makes one wise. It's the word of God that really allows us to dig deep and to grow into the ways of God. Now, it's interesting. I had a group of young men that I had walked through with a Bible study this fall, and it was really good. We, we had a great study but at the end, it was interesting that the universal request was some way or some system by which we could continue to read the Bible in a systematic way. And I, I realize that this, I think this is, this is super important. We have done this in the past, but we've, we've missed a couple years, and I'll, I'll take blame for that. But, but we, we need to have, be able to provide to our congregation, I believe, a systematic way of reading the scriptures. And I've, I've done that. There are, out on the desk out there, right outside the, the right where Scott uh, is sitting, right beyond that, there is a desk. And I have got three Bible reading plans on real nice hard copy paper for you. I'm going to explain them a little bit. These are going to be online, by the way, so you, there's not a lot of copies there. These are going to be online. Uh, but one consists of reading through the New Testament. It's called 5 by 5 by 5. It's five minutes a day, five days a week, five ways to dig deeper, all right? And it's going to cover primarily the New Testament. The other two are going to be more of a, a reading the Bible in a year format, and it's got, a verse, it's got texts week to week to week, day by day by day. And if you keep up on that, you will get through the entire Bible in a year. And I recognize you're already going, Pastor, I'm already 14 days too late. That's okay. Start tomorrow on January 15th. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that you are reading the scriptures. 
And there is a systematic way of doing that that will get you through the Scripture. And I've got, like I said, I've got three ways. If you just want to focus on the New Testament, great. If you want to do both old and new, there's two guides for that too. But these are available in the back. I want to encourage us to take advantage of that. There are so many tools, and maybe you won't like mine. That's okay. You can use somebody else's. I don't care. But I think it's important that when we think of this resolution number one that God would have for us to seek my wisdom, that wisdom is found in his word. And therefore, resolution number one for you this year and for me is that we will what? Read God's word. Seek my wisdom. Read my word. Resolution number two, engage in my work with my people. I think that's what God would share with us today. He would say, engage in my work with my people. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I want you to know something today, loud and clear, that God is for the church. You, you, we are God's plan A. The church is not plan B in case something else fails. We are plan A. It is God's design to use the church and the individual members thereof, not only to build up one another, not only to encourage each other, but to proclaim the gospel to the community and to the world beyond us. And he has gifted us each in this way. And we need to recognize that that one of the greatest enemies to spiritual growth. One of the greatest enemies, I believe, to proclaiming the gospel is what I would call apathy. And that apathy starts in the church, I think, on on two extremes. The the first extreme, and I've heard this said so often, is that as as we come into the church, we, we think, I have nothing to offer. I don't have any skills. I don't have any abilities. What can I do to add to the church body? That, that's, a, that's a bald-faced lie from Satan. Because what's the scripture say? What? As each one has received a special gift. That means there's no exceptions here. Now, I will admit, some of the dip, gifts are different, right? We don't all have the same gifts. And it may be a little bit of a process for you to discover what that gift might be. But you have a gift. And for you to sit back and say, well, eh, I don't have any gifts. I, I'm, I'm of no use to the congregation. That, that's bogus. Don't fall for that, all right? Please don't fall for that. But recognize that each of us are a gift. And then notice the purpose of this gift is to employ it. I love this. In what? In serving myself? No, what's I'm to do? I'm to employ it in serving one another as good stewards. So God, God desires you, guess what? God desires you to serve in the church. That, that's, that's part of what his will is, is that we would be a people that serve in the church. So, that, so part of that idea of this apathy uh, is, is, first of all, just comes from the fact that, well, I don't have any skills or gifts. That, that's a lie. I think the second one, though, is kind of on the opposite end. It's this place sometimes that we get to, that we come to a place of being saved. And, and we, would, we would sense that that's, that's the pinnacle of our Christian service. I'm saved. And, and I've got to be really careful here because it is. I mean, that's, that's what God desires for us, that we would be saved, that we would know Jesus as Savior and Lord. But I want to say that, that we are not saved 
in order just to sit. And I think it's woefully foolish of us to think, well, I don't have to do anything because I'm saved. God, God desires to use you. And he desires to use you in the sphere of influence that he has placed you in even now. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has a purpose and God has a plan and God has a call for you. Regardless of where you're at, he desires you to serve. And I pray today that we would, that we would rightly recognize that and that we would rightly know that, that he wants us to serve and he wants to use us uh, then in this way of service. And I want us to recognize today the great blessing. We talked about some great challenges. There is a great blessing that comes to us when we serve together. It was, it was wonderful to, this is just a microcosm, but to walk over to church today at a quarter to nine and parking lots cleared, sidewalks are cleared, guys are working, coffee's made, ushers are ready to go, flowers are on the altar, lights are on. It be, why is that? That's because we're working together. It's a wonderful thing to come and see kids in school and see kids in class and see kids in daycare and all these things. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to come to a church council meeting and to recognize 22 other individuals have a big role in what we're doing within this church family. But that's because we're working together and then we're, we're better together. I know that sounds like one of those commercial phrases, but we are, we are better together. And I want us to be encouraged today to recognize the power of being together, all right? I'm running out of time. So what's gonna be the resolution? <laughs> What's going to be the resolution? The resolution is going to be this, is that in the course of this next year, you will serve in some capacity in two ways, in the church and guess what? Outside the church. Now, they both may be within the church body of some way, but I want you to figure out a way that you can serve in the church and I want you to figure out a way that you can serve outside the church. Whatever, whatever that is, it could be great big, it could be small, but whatever that is, inside and outside the church. And then this is the other thing I want you to resolve today, that you will regularly attend the worship services of a church. I, I want it to be here, of course, but I know some of you are visitors or guests. That's, a, that's okay. But wherever God leads you to, I want you to become a regular attender of that church. That's, that's how we build unity. That's how we build uh, camaraderie. That's how we uh, build together and become equipped together in Christ. All right, so that's resolution number two. Resolution number three, commit all things to me. <laughs> commit all things to me. Psalm 37, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. I love that verse. And I use that today because of a couple things. First of all, that phrase, commit your way to the Lord, the word picture that's presented there is a word picture of like somebody like carrying a big, heavy boulder on their shoulder. And that process of, of dropping that burden at the feet of another, and of course, the feet of the Lord here. That's, that's that word picture that you see there. So when it says commit your way to the Lord, what it means is, is to, to take that burden off and allow somebody else to carry that, to, to help you with that. That's what that means, that we are to, to commit all things unto the Lord. 
and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness, and he will bring forth your judgment as the noonday. Now, what I like about this, of course, is a couple things. First of all, know this, that Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, I think probably summarizes this point just as well as the Psalm 37. And Matthew 6, 33 is what? Seek first what? My kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. And the idea, of course, is that as we go through our lives, I think a right question needs to be asked. What are you seeking? Are you seeking to build your kingdom or are you seeking to look to God's kingdom? Are you seeking your own righteousness or are you seeking Christ's righteousness? And I think we need to recognize the importance of committing all things onto him, that we would seek first his kingdom. And it is a dangerous place, I believe, that we can find ourselves when we are determined to just provide a half-hearted effort in anything, but especially in our spiritual walk. There is a huge danger at just being half-hearted or, or being partial. And I believe with all my heart that what God would desire us to resolve is that we would be all in. That's what this phrase means. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. That means we're all in. I remember that passage, I think it's chapter 3, verse 16 of the book of Revelation. And remember what happens? He, he, the, the, the angel or God is speaking. He says, I wish you were either warm or cold, but what? You are lukewarm. Very good. And therefore, I spit you out of my mouth. And, and I think, I'm sad to say this, but I think a lot of people come to their spiritual walk with a lukewarm attitude. Ah, you know, take it or leave it. I, I got time today. I don't have time. Ah, you know, ah, I'm busy whatever, you know, this, that. I think that that grieves God's heart. Don't, don't be lukewarm. Be all in. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. That's resolution number three. I believe that, that God wants that for us, to commit our ways to him. So this is the resolution then. We think about this verse from Psalm 37. This is the resolution. I would suspect that all of you have something that you haven't fully turned over to the Lord. I'm going to ask today that you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And whatever that thing is, whether it's an object, whether it's a habit, whether it's a sin, whether it's whatever that is, that you have not fully turned that over to the Lord that today would be that day that you would commit fully and completely that you would be all in for him. That, that's our resolution, number three. And then last and not least, number four is this. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Love this one. I love the verse. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Philippians 3.14. What I, what I like about this, and there's a whole sermon just on this, this text. I, I apologize, we won't have time to get into all that. But I want us to first of all notice this, that Paul is saying here, I press on toward the goal. That idea of pressing on reminds us that life is not simple and easy. I'm reminded of a phrase, that I, I've thought this often in, in ministry, it says, there's no way but the hard way. <laughs> and those of you, you know, that probably work with people or anything, you just recognize that that's, that's a pretty fair statement oftentimes. There's, there's no way but the hard way. And, and that's true of Christian life, by the way. That a lot of what you're going through is hard. A lot of what you're doing is difficult. A lot of what you're feeling is a challenge. And I want us to recognize that because we live in this broken and fallen world, I think it is true that there's no way but the hard way. Things are going to be difficult. Things are going to be challenging. And we need to recognize that as Paul does here, we need to press on toward the goal of the prize. Keep your eye on the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And despite the hard way, we continue to look Christ's way. Now, Part of this process, I believe, consists of two things. It's going to consist, as we, as we keep our eyes on the prize, we're going to put off and we're going to put on. And when I say that, I talk about that there are things that we need to put off, that we need to take out of our lives. If we, if we really want to focus on the goal of the prize, there are things that, that need to come out of our lives. There, there are some habits, there are some sins, there are some thoughts, there are some actions, there are some things that, that I believe really need to, need to come out of our lives. We need, we need to have them come out. We need to take that off. But then also, Scripture talks about putting on Christ. As those things are taken off, what I want us to do is put on Christ. Take off sin. Take off fleshly lust. Take off sinful desires and in, in replace them with Christ. Put on Christ. That's, that's what it means to keep your eyes on the prize. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, to run in such a way that you may win. And if we want to run in such a way that we may win, we have to take off some stuff and we have to put on some stuff. And above all else, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now we had an example, I, I believe, of this I've been following in our community the last couple of weeks. Now those of you, especially from Brandon, probably recognize this picture, Spencer Thorsland. Spencer just turned 13. He's had cancer and uh, one of those situations, again, I think, I, I, I know it is, it's the hardest thing for any parent to lose a child. Uh, very few things are as devastating as that. And I was interested, you know, as I read about Spencer and his parents and family and all of these things, I thought it was a couple interesting things that I took away about this. And I think that, that Spencer's testimony here kind of illustrates this last point especially. He made the comment in an interview, I believe it was Kello, uh, had talked about one of his favorite words now is eventually. And he talked about what really, you know, inspired him was the idea that eventually he would be healed. And again, when we think that word eventual, what he was meaning, and it was later out talked about, is that, you know, 
it may be God's will to heal me in this life. That would, that would be great. Wouldn't it have been great? But if I'm not healed in this life, I will be healed in the next. And there was a trust and there was a faith in that. And then I remember uh, Spencer talking about this idea. That he says, cancer will not defeat me, nor will cancer define me. And I believe that that idea kind of captures this idea of keeping your eyes on the prize and, and, and recognizing that, that we are going to face challenges and we're going to face difficulties and we're going to face burdens. And amidst all of these things, the resolution that we have to have, number four is this, is that we commit to pressing on. Maybe commit to carrying forth the gospel message of Jesus Christ that we commit to carrying forth, that we commit to carrying on in the tasks that God has placed before us and he calls us to accomplish and to do. And I pray that as we would do so, that we will find great prosperity and success in this year. And by the way, as you know, you probably read that Spencer had passed. I think his funeral was just this week. Uh, turned 13 just a few days ago. But I believe he's a picture of a young man that was keeping his eyes on the prize. And that's my imploring to us today, too, that we keep our eyes on the prize. Resolutions are good, and a reset to gods are the best. Resolutions are good, and a reset to gods are the best. Lord, guide us now in this word. I pray that you would bless us in it, O oh God, that we would consider these different resolutions and, you know, Lord, uh, to whatever degree they are applicable to each of us, I pray that we would apply them by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace and for the opportunity we have to gather today to worship. And I would ask now, Lord, your continued favor and mercy be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.